Thank you so much to our new Patreon subscribers, David, the warrior level and the God level, Tim Russo. You are the kids to our tricks. Folks, thank you so, so much for supporting us on Patreon. It seriously helps out a ton. Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. You are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, HBO has released a new teaser trailer for season two of House of the Dragon, and given the new episodes a release window of summer 2024, and Chad, listeners, this season of television cannot arrive on my screen fast enough. I just watched yeah. the new trailer. Chad, did you watch it? Yep, I did. Oh, gosh. It's so, so good. I love it it's just i just i forgot i was i was doing stuff i was i was doing all kinds of things between this moment and the last time i watched the show and i kind of forgot how amazing it was how freaking good it is i've watched it twice now and i'm so excited to watch the first season over again then we're not shilling for hbo here like i'm just this excited because i really love this show i think that the first season of house of the dragon is better than the last three seasons of game of thrones combined i would agree do you really? Okay. I don't know about combined. I think combined, but like, dude. Just I think period, combined. Yes. Combined. Like, it's, it's so hard to, good. It's hard to detach it's my so nostalgia. It's so good, man. It's just like, and, and so, you know, watching this trailer, and if, if you haven't watched it, if you have time today, go watch the teaser trailer. It's about a minute and a half long. Uh, it just gave me all those same you feelings. It was just like, this is so epic. And like that one yeah. shot, the thing that sold me on it, as if I wasn't already sold, but the thing that sold me on it was that one like half second shot of uh, it was like a perfect like wide angle shot of a dragon on one side of the screen a dragon on the other side of the screen on like a beach or something it looked like a beach yeah, i could have been right exactly such a short what shot. shot you're talking and about like, oh, like, <laughs> and then the like last already, one where the oh, dragon oh, flies over giant, you yeah oh gosh are, so good i don't remember everyone has r names i think they're the coolest looking dragons because you know i've been reading yeah. this murtag book and uh, there's another, there's a picture of a dragon on the front, or at least the face. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like not a bad looking yeah. dragon, but like not it's not a Game of the Thrones dragon. Yeah. That scene where that kid goes up, or Aegon, I think is his name. I can't remember everybody's names from the show, but that scene where that kid goes up to that dragon and it's just, it sounds like a like an airplane taking off. Like, or like, <laughs> like, like, it's just, it's just. <laughs> It's just gigantic, and like the sound design for that specific scene was so amazing. And like, man, I can't wait to watch the first season again. Yeah, I really love that first season. In the clouds, he's like, "I did it! (laughs) I got away!" Oh man, that season is really amazing. I think the reason that I liked it so much, like personally, is because I feel like with Game of Thrones, we lost a little bit of like locality. Like we lost a little bit of focus. We like it. It just got so big for its own britches, and I think that it was such an awesome idea for the creators of house of the dragon to kind of like zoom back in and they were like okay let's go back to the like let's focus on these families you know what i mean let's focus right we on got this. too countrywide yeah like yeah and it's not necessarily awful but i mean obviously the end of game of thrones is pretty bad <laughs> well, in my opinion but it like was, uh, it, awful yeah <laughs> but uh, with house of the dragon yeah i really do think you know most of it taking place in the red keep is a really cool idea and then that then then like the contrast like when you leave the red keep you're doing all this other crazy stuff you know it's just you, f- you feel like you're far away again and it's totally. like this adventure kind of i don't know and yet they can move people around because everybody has a dragon they can fly on Everybody's so it's like we dragon. don't have this like this uh problem where people are just popping up and you're like how'd you get so far and have yeah. an episode you know I'm so I'm so excited. It's yeah. actually we have to wait until uh, so summer excited. 2024, but 
you know, such is the process, I guess. Good things are worth the wait. They certainly are. Tell me about your week. Uh, it's a pretty cool week. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of reading done quite a bit. Uh, not as much as I wanted to, because I just, I really want to, there's like four books I'm like really just want to finish, but I got a couple of them read, finished up. I'm moving through a couple of them. Got back into a writing groove, which has been really nice. Um, cause nice. I kind of, I kind of wasn't writing for like a month ish, something like it was that. Deliberate. Yeah, it was. I was just kind of like, like a vacation. Taking a, yeah. I was like taking a break from it, but kind of back into it now and like really loving it. And, uh, yeah, just like, you know, trying to work out not spend a bunch of money on dumb stuff. Cause I just moved into a new place like a couple months ago and, uh, my, my spending had kind of like, <laughs> cause I was like buying uh, new stuff for my place. Like I was just like living in basically like a room, you know, before and, I would buy like a bunch of kitchen stuff. It was underground. Like, it's like just, a cave. Yeah, it was a cave. But so, yeah, I was just kind of just been like, we're, we're in cozy season now. You know what I mean? Like it's... Damn right it's, we it's, are. It's, it's watch shows that you've already watched. I haven't made tea before you know? this episode. I did bring <laughs> a chamomile tea. Ooh, um, I've got coffee. Dude, it's like 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> dude, I can, caffeine doesn't hit me like that. Oh, I can man. drink coffee right before I go to bed. No problem. So uh, I, I really like watching things I've already watched. So I'll tell you what I'm watching. Uh, I started watching that 70s show again. You oh, know, wow. That's kind of like, I'm still watching some One Piece. I watched One Piece at the gym the other day. This guy on the treadmill next to me, I was like walking at an incline, like watching One Piece. And the guy on the treadmill next to me, I could tell he was like, nice. Because <laughs> he was just kind of like glancing. He like glanced at me once and kind of like smiled. And then he like, kind of like looked. <laughs> she was like, like offered a funny... one of your earbuds. I know. Hey, I should... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm in the first season. But yeah, it was really cool. And I'm really liking One Piece. But uh, yeah, that 70s show, I uh, I forgot like how how dorky that show is like i don't know if i'm gonna keep watching it but it, it is very nostalgic and like i forgot like how much of like a it feels like like a high school play almost you know what i mean just kind of like the way because they're all like so young and i started in like totally. the first season and i was just and like they have wow, like careers like, is, now in movies you've seen them in tons yeah, of other stuff yeah and they've got like uh there's one of them went to prison <laughs> really da yeah danny masterson the guy that plays hyde oh. yeah. drug reasons no it was uh it was much worse than that oh but yeah, I mean, I always got a weird vibe from that guy anyway. But like that that show is like definitely pretty nostalgic. But that was kind of like what I was watching. I don't know. I kind of just like put stuff on from like playing video games or something. But that for some reason, the cozy season makes me want to reread stuff and rewatch stuff and just kind of like bask in that nostalgic glow sometimes. As far as stuff I've been reading, though, uh, I finished dragons of winter night the second book in Dragonlance. i'm into the third book i'm going to finish up the chronicles this week dragons of winter night if anybody's curious about reading Dragonlance chronicles that book definitely turned things up a notch and i wasn't expecting things to get as separated out as they did i really liked it though like it was really cool it was i mean it's very reminiscent of lord of the rings where you kind of start with this like kind of locked in step collected fellowship and then because of the way that things are kind of happening and have happened everybody kind of splits off and is like still very much thinking about each other you know but they've kind of got their things to focus on and like is it done in a way that adds to the story or does it so much because that can be man. done so not well there's just like a few things about dragonlance where it's like i feel like it is a little bit lopsided in, in as far as like its depth and like how serious i take it sometimes because like sometimes some of the moments like the end of the second book is awesome. It's very, very good. I really liked the end. It was like my favorite part of the whole series so far is like the very end. Uh, Lorana, one of the main characters, uh, just oh, becomes like the second book. Seriously, it was so cool. But then like there were also some parts that were like very silly and over the top, like 
in a way that the first book wasn't really hmm. like silly like one line zingers during the middle of combat no no like like whole like kind of like zany sequences you know what i mean oh. like there's a part where they like get to like a gnome city and there's like catapults everywhere and like that's how they like get around and it's like it sounds cool <laughs> no i know I, I know it's like it sounds cool but like reading <laughs> <So> it <ridiculous. laughs> and like tasselhoff like the uh, the kender uh which I, I don't know if it's like a stand-in for hobbits but like uh, tasselhoff like the kender is like or it's kind of like with regis the halfling in oh right uh, sure like, so it's like that but he's got like a whole separate thing but like you know he he like really likes to steal stuff you know and he's like really excited whenever everybody else is like really upset because like kenders just like don't have the same disposition they don't have like the same reactions to like really horrible things that like humans and elves and dwarves do like a dragon could be like coming down to eat them all and a kender would be like i've never seen this before this is crazy <laughs> right, wow. you know? uh, so like i like tassel <laughs> off, but, like some of those scenes were kind of wild and catapults for a system of moving around a city that seems like a crazy like, what do they do for their elderly elderly you know it seems like really like high impact sort of movement i uh, I'm, I'm really digging Dragonlance. i think it's like such a good kind of like you know i was just referencing that 70s show and kind of like just just is it's such like an easy like it's an easy read but there's some depth to it and it's like a good kind of like it's getting darker out i want something with some levity i want something kind of light cool. it sounds like you're having fun i'm invested in it too though you know what i mean like i want to know like there was like a pretty big reveal in the second book and stuff it's just like a really really cool series that i it totally makes sense why it stood the test of time but also i don't see a lot of people talking about it either you know no, not so at it's all. like it's like considered a classic but also not a lot of people talking about it totally i'm still kind of stuck on the gnome um catapult thing <laughs> final question how do they land is it like a big cushion or like what's the landing mechanism i don't, don't want to give it away just gotta read it what? no it's, <laughs> okay, it's fine, cool it's a, it. it's, a, it's a whole yeah it's not it's, it's not like a, a throwaway pit? it's not a throwaway thing it's like yeah throwaway <laughs> nice Hey. Uh, anyway, hey. <laughs> uh, so i finished finished that up i've been to the third book liking it so far i'm sure it's going to end really in a really cool way I, th I said it was going to take me a bit to get to the second trilogy. I think it's called Legends, but yeah, I think I'm probably going to read it next year at some point. thought it was going to take me a little longer, but I'm, I might want to get back in. coming I up, wanna, too. Oh my gosh, I've got so many things to mm -hmm. read. Uh, also, I finished A Deadly Education, book one in Skolomance by Naomi Novik. And now Zoran has finished it. Chad, I know that you finished it, so we're recording yeah. that episode. That episode will be out this week. I read it in one week. night. Yeah, so I read it in one night. I read it in like three three days it's a really short book delightful i have like kind of mixed feelings about it i think it's really like the length was delightful yeah um i mean like i think chad liked it more than me we talked about it a little bit and zoran one of my friends is coming on to the podcast uh we're recording that if you're listening to this on monday we're, we're recording it tonight it should be out on wednesday we're gonna try to get Skolomance done before the end of the year. I think we'll be able to do it because these books are pretty short. And we're done with Faithful and the Fallen. Chad and I finished up our episode for Wrath. That will also be out this week. Uh, Chad just has to edit that. Yeah, it should be out Tuesday or Wednesday sometime. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're done with Faithful and the Fallen. We're rounding out Red Rising because I'm almost done with Dark Age. I know that Chad is almost done with Dark Age. I want to hold our whole Dark Age conversation for the episode because it's a fifth book in a series. I know that some people are really excited to listen to our thoughts on it. Wait for the episode. I don't want to drag down the Monday episode with talking about like the fifth book in a series some people haven't even read. So, but it is totally. It is really cool. But you I have liked, opinions. I liked Dark Age more all around than Iron Gold. But sure, like I yeah. still think it was like as a read, rough, but far but inferior to but the previous three. But still better than the fourth book. Like that's kind of like okay. So we'll talk about that later. Um, we've got a very big, huge episode to do for Dark Age, and I don't know if that'll be out this week. It might be out next week because we have to do a lot of work on that episode. And I saw I think I have like 125 pages or something like that left in it. But yeah, it's been a heavy read. 
That's all I'm going to say about it right now. Uh, but heavy is the right word. Yeah, uh, with Skullamance. Yeah, we got an episode about that coming out pretty soon. And like, I don't have like a ton. Give to me say a about, teaser. I don't. Mm, I think it's really inventive and really inventive and Good like word. really yeah like really unique. It's like it's definitely different than that? a lot of the stuff that I've read this year. I really like the premise. I like where I think it's going for sure. Hmm, Not okay. a huge fan of the the kind of like stream of consciousness like huge exposition and info dumps like kind of thing like it's a lot of info dump. i don't know if that t- just takes some getting used to because like like i get why it is the way that it is right and it's like i'm even kind of it's almost like growing on me in a weird way yeah maybe it's all so front-loaded like hopefully the next two maybe books i've heard the like next this, two books you know? are really really good uh i've heard oh, the yeah. third book in particular was like awesome but you know uh i've learned from <laughs> doing what we do that uh mm. yeah sometimes when people say things are the best thing they've ever read we have different opinions of different tastes we've so literally never read a book on this podcast where people said before we went into it this book is awful yeah most people are I'll really stoked to tell us how sick <laughs> they are about it but uh yeah with um skull Man's, like like i said i think the idea is really really cool the, the character isn't grating on me as much as i as everyone seems to to say uh, it's grating on me really i think i don't know i think it makes like quite a bit of sense through the first like three chapters of that she book was i was like what is going on right now like this is such a <laughs> mess like this is because it's so like it's almost like if somebody had it's like if someone had sat someone down that was going through a lot you know and said okay i just want you to write down all your thoughts keep them coming <laughs> but they're also in like this setting where they have to explain a lot of the setting because it's all related to their thoughts and so it's like it just turns into like this kind of like unstoppable info dump kind of right it's just like it's just a little overwhelming and still even after all that info dump you're still like where are the adults (laughs) (laughs) well that's one of the okay we'll talk about it in the episode but yeah that is like a that's a big deal but yeah like skullamance is cool i think we'll, we'll get through that um for sure I can't say whether or not I'm liking it more or less than I thought I would we're gonna have to wait till we're finished with like the whole series I think okay that's fair I am also about 60% of the way through all the young dudes. I swear I've been reading it constantly and it's just so long. Like it's like 560,000 words and I'm, it's, it's very, very, very long. Uh, and it is just, man, you guys, listeners, if you like Harry Potter, I know I said this already. If you haven't read all the young dudes and you really like Harry Potter, go read all the young dudes. That's all I'm going to say about it it's so good <laughs> like and it just <laughs> keeps getting better like it's just every single chapter it's and i'm in i'm in seventh year right now and it goes from the very first it goes from remus lupin getting on the little boats and crossing the lake to go to hogwarts in this first year and it goes all the way up until uh 1995 you know what i mean like when he when he's like going to go teach in harry's third year you know what i mean like it goes through all the whole war and everything so with the seventh year it's really intense like it's so intense and it's not just intense because of lupin's experience it's intense because voldemort and his followers are turning the wizarding world into a war zone and it's so scary because it's like it's scary the first time you're reading harry potter as a kid when to like hear about this but like to watch like to to read about these like this group of really good friends kind of like hearing about it and it, it, it like affecting them in, in in very kind of like distant ways and it's just like the rumblings of like this horrible thing that's going to happen you know and miss king being 89 like crushing it it's, it's so good like I, it's like I, don't know, I need to make a bunch of lists and stuff for like what I, my favorite thing i've read this year is like 
all the young dudes is right up in there. Like it's it's one of my favorite things. I've read over a hundred books this year. All the young dudes is probably in the top ten. Like it is wow. awesome, and it's, it's not incredible a for a fanfic. Like seriously, what? <laughs> man. Like this, it just goes to show, dude. It just goes to show that like good writing comes from anywhere. You know, I know I've said this a few times. I I like it. I like it more than Harry Potter. Uh, I don't think I like it more than I did when I was a kid reading Harry Potter for the first time. That is an experience I'll never get again, but this is about as close as you can get to it. This is about as close as you're going to get to reading Harry Potter for the first time is reading all the young dudes or reading Manicold or like whatever really, really good fanfics are out there. You know, that's a crazy statement. I 100% stand by it. And again, and again, and again, I don't, I don't want to, I have to tell everybody if you, if you, if you have young children and they like Harry Potter and you're trying to get them to read more stuff like that, uh, it is not appropriate. <laughs> All the young not dudes is not appropriate. Then. No, it's, it's for adults. I just have to stress that. I'm not going to be accused of encouraging. <laughs> I'm not falling into that trap. You're not going to give me. I'm on record. Okay. So Someone's like, like, thanks for ripping the innocence away from my no, 11 year old. Said, Evan. <laughs> I said on my podcast, it's not for kids. Um, you know, it, I'd say, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, if you got a 15, 16 year old or whatever, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your kid's parents. Like, you know, use your best judgment. But if you have like a nine year old reading Harry Potter and you're like, all right, let's keep this train going, you know, like, no, <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Get them to read Quidditch through the not ages the next or train. like, yeah, something. Um, but yeah, so all the young dudes, really, really good. Can't stress it enough. I'm also about 70 or 80 pages into The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. I've never read The Grapes really? of Wrath before. I never read it in high school or anything. We read Of Mice and Men in high school. Uh, and The Grapes of Wrath is so freaking good. I'm really into it. I know nothing about it. Um, as far as I'm aware, question. it's about the Dust Bowl in like the, you know, in Oklahoma, Okay. Um, very closely tied to the depression, but it's about a family that is dealing with that. And, you know, the, the banks come, coming onto the land and being like, y'all got to get off of this land. And then the people on the land are like, I've lived on this land for a hundred years. You know, like we, we took it from the natives and like, it's just, it's just and like, the reason for that is because they can't pay the bank off right, the, what they, they owe at the least. Yeah, or something. I mean, like they, they, they can't crops. grow anything because there's just the weather is affecting everything. And, I'm not super far into it. it is, it's not a very dense read, but like I'm just reading so much stuff right now. Uh, one thing that I'm not, I'm not loving, and this is a purely personal preference thing. And Brian Jocks does it. Uh, some authors do it. Uh, I don't super love it when people write out the accent. No. I just, I, it's just a personal preference thing. I'm not trying to say John Steinbeck is a bad writer or anything. Yeah, I share that with you. I really love John Steinbeck's writing a lot like i really really like his writing so much except for that like i just don't it just kind of rips me out sometimes it really works and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it actually does kind of bring me right into it and sometimes it's like if i'm not really sure what was just said it's kind of like jarring a little bit right you know because there's just apostrophes everywhere and like words that don't look like regular words and it's like oh that's what he said okay that's weird you know it interrupts but, your flow of consciousness reading you but know? it's also like it's a it's it's important but you can accomplish it the same way you can be like you know Maybe. you like you could say like I don't know. right he growled r-o-i-g-h-t in his whatever whatever accent and then from there on out you continue it so sure, in the reader's yeah. brain they know that it should be that way but you're also gonna like you know write where i can read it I'm sure there's like some U University of Chicago English department like essay about why it's important that all their voices look like that or whatever. Although yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just some dude in his, in his house. But uh, yeah, I mean, Grapes of Wrath is really, really phenomenal so far. I really enjoy it. There's already been some just 
awesome stuff about like the oversoul and just you know like these there's like these ruminations of these impoverished people you know like this um this preacher who's just like i don't know like maybe maybe it's not like Eve, like sin and 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 righteousness like maybe there's like this weird kind of like gray middle area that everybody kind of sits in and like just huge thoughts for the time you know what i mean like he's writing this stuff in the 40s you know like or like 1939 i think is when it came out you know like that's a pretty big thought for back then you know what i mean and like, and like steinbeck i've been trying to read up as much as i can on steinbeck and stuff um because you know context is like pretty important for stuff that's getting to be up towards like 100 years old you know it's just like it was a different Absolutely. time back then sometimes you literally can't understand it unless you consider a, the a context. lot of stuff still very much applies obviously but like yeah steinbeck definitely had i feel like he had some like pretty radical ideas for the time you know i think he was on like a couple like watch lists and stuff like he was oh, wow. very like you know pro uh people you know like pro workers and <laughs> sure. you know he like he was very like anti uh banks and capitalism and like he just he was putting a lot of that stuff into his books and uh, at the time i feel like some of the powers that be were like oh, what are you talking about right now like <laughs> this guy goes away as long as lsd no 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 yeah i mean it's just it's just funny because like yeah i mean i think that the from what i gather you know i could be wrong but uh from what i gather grapes of wrath is a very like you know, anti-banks and anti-capital establishment. Okay. Can you speak to the name of it at all? I've always wondered no, why it's called I the Gape, Grapes I need, of Wrath. I need to look that up. Uh, I'm not sure why it's called that. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay, cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's very cool. Uh, I read, um, like, years and years ago, I read, like, a third of East of Eden, and for some reason I just stopped reading it. Uh, I really liked what I read, though, and I think I need to go back and read East of Eden because that's, like, that's considered, like, his his masterpiece you know like his magnum opus like the best thing he's ever written but uh, i've also heard it's like between east of eden and grapes of wrath like those are the ones to read it was published significantly later in his life yeah, though right 1952 i think it's when east of eden came out okay. and then and grapes of wrath came out in 1939 i believe uh and then the pearl came out like between those books and um i still need to do a video about the pearl because the pearl really got me thinking quite a bit is it just me or does it feel like Mm. authors took a lot longer to produce a book back in the day. Like we were talking about, um, who are we talking about uh, last week that's only written four books? Oh, Donna Tart has only written Donna, three yeah. in like the last like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And like, maybe I'm just taking two examples and I guess she's mm -hmm. still like modern day really. So I don't even know if I'm uh, making any <laughs> sense at all, but maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not at all. Never mind, guys. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Jules Verne wrote like a hundred books. Their hits were fewer and farther between, maybe, you know? Okay, like, thanks for getting my back there. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Steinbeck was still putting stuff out pretty frequently. He was writing, like, a lot of nonfiction stuff, and, like, his, some of his novels, like, he wrote, like, a like a sequel to Cannery Row or something, and, like, it wasn't as well-received, and, you know, there's just, like, stuff that's that I think those authors were, like, putting out, but it wasn't as big as, like, an East of Eden, you know? Like, when East of Eden got came it. out, it was, like, the great American novel after he'd already written the great American novel. Like, I mean, Grapes of Wrath is considered, like, the best. It's, like, it's like great, great Gatsby, Grapes of Wrath. You know what I mean? Right. Like, those are, like, the two, like, American books that you want to read, you know? Right, he's, like, in there with Mark Twain. He's sitting at the same table. Seriously, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I've only read a little bit of F. Scott Fitzgerald. I don't think I've actually even finished any of his books or anything, but um, I like Steinbeck's writing more personally. It's just, I don't know, this doesn't, it's not as dense. Like, and I'm not saying Fitzgerald is, like, super dense or anything, but, like, Steinbeck is just very, like... It's it's very obvious what he's talking about. Okay. Does Steinbeck also write uh, of mice and men? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Which is also like another book about like laborers and, you know, like uh, dis- disabilities and, and yeah, just I was really like, stuck on that. I mean, it's a lot to think about. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot to talk to about. about. And especially and at it's very time relevant. Of, yeah. Like, I mean, depression era stuff. Like I felt like a lot of people were thinking about that. They were like, there were, I mean, like, um, there were like labor unions and stuff and like labor, like union riots and stuff like that happening and like suffragage. And there's just so many different ideas of like how to structure how people are getting paid and like living conditions. And, you know, it's like, we have like this amazingly prosperous country, but like, why are kids working? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is really cool to like kind of go back and look at some of the mindsets around then and then compare them to today too. So yeah. He was a Nobel laureate. I think he won, was it a Nobel prize or like a Pulitzer? He won a Pulitzer for, um, for this, but he was also a Nobel laureate. Yeah. I think, uh, there were people on some of those panels that were less than enthused that Steinbeck was. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> if you have a first edition copy of that book, The Grapes of Wrath, and not even signed or anything, and in okay condition, it is $5,500. So yeah. uh, if you're well, keeping holding on to a first edition of those and your life hits a depression, it uh, might be a good thing to sell that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so, they're so clever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is anti capital uh, author. Oh, I'm being Chad's like, like <laughs> super capitalistic over here. Guys, let me tell you what that Do is. Do you know worth, how much though. money you could make? Just whoosh right over Chad's head. And hire a child to sell this. Thing. <laughs> All right. Wow, uh, really that is everything that I did this week, though. I mean, I did some other stuff, but yeah, nothing super duper of note or anything. It's very much kind of relaxing into. The holidays and uh you know getting a lot darker a lot sooner and it getting colder and stuff and i'm just just kind of turtling out over here i'm in my shell you know yeah you said it's a time for nostalgia and and turtling i like that term oh my gosh i need to watch blue-eyed samurai because you told me to watch it and then i've also gotten like six dms from people that listen to the podcast that are like dude you should read they should you need to watch that like i know that you never watched tv got my back so much (laughs) seriously they're like can you please just listen to chat on like this one thing so i promise i will watch it this week i'll get back to you i'll at least watch a couple episodes i want to talk to you about it it's one of those things where like I've heard about it so many times at this point that I know it's really good. And know? it has depth so, to it. All, yeah, so. I'll, I'll check it out. Okay, sorry. That's it for me. What, what about your week? No, no, you're fine. Well, I'm glad that everyone else there also agrees with me on that it's awesome because, man, it was really, really good. And like I said, full of cool lessons as well. So we'll have a good conversation about it. Uh, finished Dark Age. Oh, you finished it. Cool. As you said that uh, I don't want to talk about it during this. I'm just going to kind of agree exactly with what you said. It's better than the last one but not even in the same universe as the first three. Oh, i think it's i think it's right in with the first three it's just like a lot what? more the first three were so good they were faster paced but i think dark age is like up the same quality maybe it's my own level of like nature expectations my... man like it... no i don't think it's that maybe it's just my, my my resilience with this story like i feel like we've just had so much of darrow being sad that it's like okay it's a we lot. get it it's a lot for sure like the events and like the revelations and like the action sequences and just like how intense and epic and awesome everything is like yeah but before when we'd go into those action scenes he was like excited for iron rain and now he's like with the weight of the shoulders on me i wonder will i ever see my sons again and then you know it's like and then in the book previous, he's just like, oh, am I even a good parent? It's like, no, yeah. dude, you're not. Like, come on, like, let's get this. Let's right, right. This well, yeah, no, you're, you're not. Horrible. But you're also leading a revolution and yeah. then like, changing, the, you know, <laughs> like, eh, you know, your kid will probably forgive you. I'll wait till he's 35 and you're dead. And then, you know, it's fine. A couple years of therapy, that little chap will be running around <laughs> oh just <my> fine. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm most of the way through the first Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship book. Hey. I got through the Minds of Moria. 
which man so good. awesome amazing so freaking just, good man just stellar. Just holds holds up so well yeah and i feel like i'm so bored in lothlorien now yeah that's a rough part of the river like and yeah just we like, go from yeah. this high yeah, it's like it's, i am yeah. servant of the secret fire and then to just like and it's really cool because it starts high you're like you get jumped by these super mysterious and dangerous lothlorien like ranger elves you're like yeah cool and then you're just like like you ever played dino crisis no i don't know the idea video game oh well no. Whenever it was a great, great series of video games. And whenever you were safe and like a room where you could save the game, there would be this sound and it was like a phone off its receiver, like the burp, burp, burp. And whenever you heard that, you knew that you were safe. You know, a dinosaur was not going to jump out and attack you. And I feel like Lothlorien is just like nothing but that sound. And I'm just so certain we're safe, you know, and it's like <laughs> not very fun. Yeah, I think uh, in the Peter Jackson movies, like that, that scene isn't super, isn't overlong. You know, like in the extended mm. versions, Sam sings a song Perfect. and stuff. Um, but yeah, they definitely, I feel like Peter Jackson was like, all right, let's get them. Let's, you know, let's do the well thing or the mirror of Galadriel the mirror of and stuff like that. We'll do that. Well, you know, let's get them out of here. <laughs> let's get totally. to the Urukai fight, you know. <laughs> I forgot how much like Gimli loving Galadriel there is also like there's a lot of him just being like, yeah, he like really loves problematically her. into her you know it's like she's a married woman like he's like just give me a lock of your hair like wow just one bro. strand not even a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like one, one a piece and then she gives him three though i know yeah it's yeah. really like can you imagine like if your girlfriend was like some dude was like going off on the quest or something and he was like just give me three locks to your hair you're like all right like you're literally leaving so i'm gonna allow this but like i'm not super comfortable about it over here yeah, I mean, if if, if they were, if they were on a quest to save the world, you yeah, permit it. I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I could I could just at least keep my discomfort to myself. You know, <laughs> yeah. like we wouldn't be like doing the dishes later and be like, so about like that lock of hair thing. Like, what was that <laughs> right. all about? Like, you agreed to that like super fast. Like, <laughs> you agreed to that super fast. <laughs> like, you didn't even like. Didn't, think can you even like kind of give me a little look or something? <laughs> like, like, like reject him a little bit and then be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, that is very apparent to me in my reading of these books. Is like Aragorn. And the book is like super certain of his calling from the get go. He's so down. Yeah. He's just like, it's just a matter of time sort of thing. Whereas like movie Mm -hmm. Aragorn is very reluctant to like King road to walk that road. Like the whole time I feel like, you know, cause he's just like so afraid of failing. Yeah. I think it was a good idea on Jackson's part. I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it works for the book in the sense that like, you know, you kind of have like this, there's so many characters at play here. So it kind of works for Aragorn to be kind of like this paragon character of just kind of like, of like, of like ultimate virtue. Like, you know, he's just, he's like the, he's like second in command to a demigod kind of, you know what I mean? Uh, and totally. in, and I think that they like very much more like humanized him for the movie, which I think yeah. just kind of like works for a movie script a little bit more. I just like his character better in the books interesting yeah and i have the same exact commentary to say on faramir who was one of my favorite characters in the books and they yeah. like totally just took a dump on him yeah they kind the of did faramir dirty in the movies like, well i mean so dirty like i mean they didn't really because like he comes around obviously yeah but like he almost doesn't yeah here in the wild i have you <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna take you to like he has like major. They they really capitalize <laughs> the on daddy issues in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then in the book, he's just like, no, I'm going to like go against what I know will make my dad happy. Sure. And even though I have major daddy issues and like wish that I was the Boromir that my father always wanted me to be, I will like see 
what is right, you know? And then in the movie, he just kind of like lets everybody down and then makes up for it in the end. I really liked in that movie in, in the, I don't know if it's in the theatrical cut cause I, cause I just never watched the theatrical cut, but like I, in the extended, I think what's the theater. Oh, is that the one that was in the movie theater? Yeah. The one that only Dude, lame I people watch. don't even remember like, <laughs> the difference between them because I've never seen that one besides but, the theater. Yeah, in the theatrical or in the extended one, when Frodo and Sam are, I think they're still in Athelion, um, but when they see like the statue with like the crown of like flowers around its head. Oh, yeah. Uh, when like lights shining on it and stuff. I like that, 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 that. I like that they kept that in. That's really cool. It was just like a nice little totally. touch. And obviously, like in the, on the cutting room, they were like, uh, you got to get this out of here. Like this is. Yeah. But in the extended version, they do that a few times pretty well. Like there's a nod to the like clear reflective pool after they get out of the mines of Moria mm-hmm. that they like in the movies. He like I think Aragorn just runs over to just like gaze at it real fast. It's not like a big deal like it is in the books. It's funny thinking about it because like it's so unanimously like, you know, I'm sure you could find people with dissenting opinions, obviously, but like with Peter Jackson's movies, I feel like they're pretty unanimously agreed on to be like masterpiece adaptations. Like this is how you add, you adapt one of the greatest works of, works of literature into one of the greatest right, movies. They are the and, example. But it's funny because like I, I imagine, and I wonder if you could like dig it up, but like I have a feeling people were pissed off in like the year 2000 or 2001 uh, before the movie came out and when the movie came out, you know, I bet we had, cause remember when like Rings of Power came out, we had all these like chuds and in, in their basements that were just like, oh, Jar, Tolkien would be spinning in his grave if he could see black elves and like, just like. Word chud is too close to my own name. I don't, I've never heard that before, <laughs> sorry, but I sorry. don't like it. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like all these people that were like, they're like, oh, they're, they're just, they're pissing all over his legacy. Right, there were and four arches on that bridge and only and, three in the show. You know, and obviously like Rings of Power is not as good as uh, Peter Jackson's was, but it's just funny because like, like the, the most. those same people not the same exact people, but that same sentiment I feel like was probably floating around when people found out like, oh, this guy from New Zealand is going to like make three movies. Like they're going to make, they're going to butcher it. It's going to be horrible. Oh, they took out Tom Bombadil. Right. Like, oh don't gosh. you know that he's the, <laughs> One of the most unnecessary characters to have in the movie. Not he saying, really is. not saying Tom is, you know, we all love a little Tom Bombadil. You know, we all love a little bit of that. But he is 100% unnecessary. Like, like people that, like I understand, <laughs> like if I made my own and I had a bottomless budget, I'd probably throw Tom Bombadil in there. Sure, uh, me too. But but also like the reality of like the film industry, I can totally understand why they were like, you know, what would keep asses in seats is if we totally cut this entire part. Right. We have to look at this by be, like a minute by minute basis, yeah, like, and think, those minutes are gone. <laughs> <laughs> like think about people that have never read the books, like in here, like what the hell is going on right? Now? Especially just as far as like the pacing and flow of a story, right? Like you have this like you never see. Run ever again you know yeah yeah you never see him again and you have this like we just got done with like the shire being all calm and, and nice and stuff and then all of a sudden we go back to the like having another calm like safe time like no we can't have they got to be running you or know it's like yeah. they took out um like the the scouring of the shire like the the last part of return of the king where like oh, I mean, people forget that like <laughs> i was i was mad <laughs> That they that they got rid of that part? Yeah, totally. Oh, the really? I just wanted to see it. I was excited for it. Yeah, and then like, like, like everyone else thinks this dude, movie I've is done, that and that it's so not. So weird. I thought that part was so weird. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, like the, the story's the, over. The Hob- not the Hobbit like Armada. It's silly as silly can be. 
and I really feel like it was just like Tolkien kind of being like, no, like I'm not ready. Like, I don't want to be, be done. Over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It kind of felt like the last gasps of his story, you know? That's cool that you're reading those again. I really like talking about them with you. I, I Me too. It's been a little bit since I haven't read Return of the King or Two Towers in a while because I reread Fellowship and then I think I like, I read a couple chapters of Two Towers and they're like running around outside in Rohan and I was like, Ugh, I don't care yeah. about this right anymore. <laughs> I, <laughs> All I right, think that I sounds silly happen. to say. But I don't remember which. No, I think I do actually, because I remember because it jumps around. You know, like like we were talking about earlier, the, the party splits up, and yeah, uh, yeah, as totally. happens with with parties, and then we jump back and forth. And there's always that one group that's like, Meh, not quite as interesting mm-hmm. or as you're stoked to be with. And I'm pretty sure that for me, when I was a kid, that it was um, Mary and Pippin in with tree the beard. forest with Treebeard. Yeah, I just remember being like, okay, this is pretty boring. We're singing songs. Seriously. It's funny because, like, I think I said something about that on social media, and I got a lot of comments that were just like, "What are you talking about? Those are like my favorite parts in the book." And I was just like, "Were they though?" Like, no, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. You know, more power to you. Everybody likes. Like someone saying that, like, their salad was the best. Their those, those yams <laughs> were the best part of Thanksgiving. Like, no, it wasn't. It was the pie. You know that. Don't. <laughs> uh, the food analogies anyway, never stop. I am enjoying them yeah. uh, quite a bit. I finished another He Who Fights with Monsters, and I am on track for, or at least I'm, I think that I'm on track for my goal of finishing them before we start Malazan and the Throne of Glass. And for my sake and for our readers, what exactly are all the books between now and we start Malazan and Throne of oh, Glass? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I can I can do it when we, uh, there's a question from the Discord that I'm going to answer, and I'll, I'll clear all of that up. So don't worry. I'll get to that in a second. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, so I finished Skullamance, like I said, in one night. And I think I liked it you, you, when you said, you know, I think Chad liked this more than me. I really did. I The attitude and the, like, times, as it were, the, the context that you read a book in so changes it. And I was so ready just coming off of Faithful and the Fallen and the Poppy War series and, and a lot of war, which I love. But I was so ready for a book like Skullamance. And so I think that aided a lot in me just being like, hell yes. Like, totally. it's cool setting. Different. It's yeah. so unique. Yeah. And and I do have some, you know, I won't get into it hugely here, but I do have some kind of like eyebrows arched into like, there seems like there's a lot of world building and yet there's still a lot of this world that seems really important. I should know that I totally don't at the end yeah. of this book. It seems so a little like nonsensical almost. Like it totally. seems just like a little bit like almost like the narrator's like keeping something from us. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like that's just kind of the vibe I got. Like, well, what about, wait, what, how does that work? Yeah. It's weird with a story when you're like, man, all of this story is good. The execution, the characters, the like actual page by page experience of it is good. But the entire premise is flawed, flawed, kind of like Ark of a Scythe. Like mm, that would just yeah. never happen. You can destroy it from its premise. And I feel like this book is kind of similar, though, obviously, like very well done. I really liked it and enjoyed it. But just like I kept thinking, like, who would send their kids to this, this school? Well, this I mean, a lot ridiculous. of them aren't a lot of them without spoiling too much. Like some of them uh, seem to just kind of like end up there. OK, know? that was also, a question I have in my yeah, notes. It's like, yeah. do they get sucked in? There's one uh, we'll talk about it on the episode. OK, OK. Sure. OK, well, that that might help some of my thing. And then I guess I'll end that by saying I'm really excited to have a conversation about it. Not sure, only to yeah. glean some of the knowledge that you and Saran maybe caught that I didn't, but also I just really enjoyed it. It was different, unique, fast, punchy, short, which was delightful. So (laughs) short. (laughs) So nice, man. Wow. So that's all that I read. I continued watching a little bit of my Damon on Netflix that I mentioned uh, last week. It's fun. It's nowhere as good as like the blue eyed samurai. It's in like a totally different level of, of this is like fun romp 
mm-hmm. anime, whereas that's like serious, like epic anime kind of. Uh, and I use those terms very loosely. I will say that the, the main character who's like seven or something, eight, he has like a weird, I think they're doing it for humor, but it gets kind of like creepy sometimes where he's like, a, he's like really into the daemons. Like it's basically like exactly like Pokemon. The world is very Pokemon, except replace Pokemon with daemons that are like these hell spawned creatures. <laughs> and some of them are really nice, even though they look horrific. And, uh, and then, you know, people will like develop a friendship pet relationship with them. And uh, sure. some of them even fight each other. It's very Pokemon. Uh, but he's always like, you're so cute. Like they'll be walking along like in like crazy circumstances where like their life is like hanging on the knife balance and he'll be like running along and he'll just be like, oh, you're so adorable. Like if I was in charge of currency, I would put you on every coin. Like <laughs> it's just like a weird like thing that they just keep throwing in there. But like a, whatever is it like a lost in translation thing? Do you think? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it was ever made in another language. Oh, is it not Japanese anime? It's, it's a like... Netflix thing. So I oh, just assumed sorry, it was okay, made yeah. in English. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But enjoying it. Um, you know, not one of the top ten. If you were like, give me ten animes that someone should definitely watch, it wouldn't be on that list. But it is mm. fun to to watch. And then you mentioned that this is kind of the season for nostalgia. And I don't know if this is shared by anyone else. In fact, if it is, let me know so I'm not so I can know that this isn't just like a me and maybe my family thing. But they used to always play like NBC used to always play Jurassic Park on thanksgiving like always for years you know i was so ready to say i've never heard that before but like also that sounds right yeah like they always played it weirdly and so as a kid i would always be like maybe this is the year i'm gonna get allowed to watch it and then finally one year it was the year that i was allowed to watch it (laughs) and i remember like t-rex like like making his t-rex noises and my mom being like what are you guys watching from the other room and my dad yelling back um t-rex eats old yeller or something like that and i just remember thinking that was a hoot of a joke when i was a kid so there's definitely some nostalgia there so all that to say i watched a jurassic park movie you know it's funny when you're mentioning this and i was trying to like connect it to anything just because it sounded right and i like went on online and i typed in jurassic park thanksgiving the first thing that came up was a post on reddit that says Jurassic Park is a Thanksgiving movie because it is about the evolutionary ancestors of the turkey. (laughs) And the top comment says, I'm down with this. (laughs) Like this all checks out, but I'm, it's, it's, um, I'm not seeing like a ton of like, like this being like a a thing, like not not in the same way that like Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Right. It totally Uh, is. Which Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't, I don't, I don't see why anybody would ever say it's not a christmas movie like it's right i've, I've heard that like debated not very hotly because i don't know how you could have even, even have a debate about that uh, no it's 100 a christmas movie yes it is <laughs> I, <laughs> I would i would very much love to argue that with anybody uh, but there wouldn't be anybody to argue it so well, but not seeing the online connection as far as like culturally we know i think that might be just like a you thing but like, okay i know but, it's an nbc thing they did it multiple years okay, in a row yeah then, yeah, yeah and the guy saying like the logo, you know, because the NBC logo is like a chicken or maybe it's a, per, it's a peacock. peacock. Yeah. Oh, it's a peacock. Yeah. It looks more peacocky, but they used to like make jokes of it and it would like flare out and then there'd be like a bite taken out of it. You oh, know? okay. Hmm. Someone at NBC just really likes Jurassic Park. I guess so. Around, or maybe they only have the rights for it for like that one day or something. Maybe. Yeah. Though I remember having to watch it with like commercials, you know, like how lame is it to watch Ugh. a movie with commercial breaks? Gross. All that to say, I watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, and because I was a little, no, no, I, 
I was oh. a little behind on like the ones, the Jurassic Park content that I hadn't done. Oh, I watched actually two things. Okay. One of them was a short called The Battle of Big Rock, which is like 10 minutes long. You can find it for free on uh, YouTube. In fact, I'll put it uh, a link in the description beneath this episode. And it's pretty, pretty fun. It's just like a little Jurassic Park moment, you know, with like cool dinosaurs. And then I watched Dominion, the one that came out last year. I don't even know like what is... I stopped watching them after we had the 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 war general guy being like velociraptors, like let's weaponize them. Oh my god! Like, have you done that with <laughs> cobras? Do you like spread cobras you know, all over the terrorist I, camp? I, I want to say though, like, I there there is a special so weird dumb. place in my heart for like like just totally unironic, unambiguous like war leader who wants to turn something into weapons and like totally it, scientist like, <laughs> he's made fun of in in mars attacks i think like it's i think it's jack nicholson's character is that i don't care maybe, maybe i can't in what remember. movie mars attacks have you seen mars oh, attacks okay. i have not no i don't know if i'd recommend it anyway keep going uh, is it new mars attacks no it came out in like 1997 or something oh got it okay so you know, Jurassic Park, in my personal opinion, has taken kind of a hit in the last few. <laughs> what uh, a nice movies. way of putting. That. <laughs> you know, and nothing versus Chris. Not as shiny as it once was. Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. He does a fine job being a raptor trainer guy. Whatever. <laughs> I actually really liked Dominion. Dominion was cool. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah, it was okay. It was like a. It was like a taking me back to its roots. It was like, okay, guys, right. we've gotten a little bit far out with the Jurassic Park thing because, like, we can only have this storyline told so many times of like a theater or a theme <laughs> park that like ensues. is like obviously going to go wrong and then chaos ensues <laughs> because of course it does this one was kind of a return to its its soul and sure. and while it's not on like the island and there's not a theme park that's opening up it is very much like a group you know there's a point in the movie where you get like all the characters from all of the old movies and then all the main characters from the new ones together in very much like kind of like a, the setting of the first few movies with where they have to like go turn on the lights and get the power back up and they make a little plan and split up and go off and do that. It was just like very like almost like maybe not scene for scene, but it was very classically oriented. Wow. Laura Dern, ones. Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill are in this. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And there's like very a lot of like interesting kind of cool nostalgic play between the two, you know, whereas like. They're like, are you you hunt? Are you train raptors? He's like, oh yeah, you know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It was, I thought it was definitely the best one since in like the new Jurassic Park movies, like by a long shot. Man, that first Jurassic Park movie holds up so well. Oh, so like it is well. wild how much that movie holds up, dude. I watched the ending of it with my brother and his son the other day because he just, well, the other week because he showed it to his son for the first time ever. He was like, my son's old enough. I'm so excited to show him this. <laughs> and uh, it does hold up so well. Like the, just I'm looking at like the, the movie poster for it, just like the black with like the red and yellow and white logo. And just like it's just so iconic. Like it's the just font. Oh, my gosh. Like it, it just looks so cool. Like, man, it's uh, so man. funny when I see that last the Jurassic Park like logo, you know, with like the font saying Jurassic Park and then the like T-Rex outlined. I think for some reason it takes me to the Sega video game. That is oh, yeah. so difficult. Oh, totally. I've no. literally never beaten it. Um, you know, it's funny because final like, battle, I just can't Mike, win. Michael Crichton, man, like he, like what a what an amazing idea for a book. Like, yeah, clone dinosaurs, put them I on an island. On my shelf. Oh yeah, Jurassic Park is an incredible. Book. I recommend it to year. people. I, have you read it? 
No, I haven't. Not yet. Read Jurassic Park, Alex Chad. Four that our marvelous read. listeners have sent me over the last read year of Michael Jurassic Crichton. Jurassic Park, Chad. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, I'm gonna pull awesome. It out my Dude, it's so good. It's such a great read. Like, as soon as you start it, you're going to be like, hell yeah. All right. This is so good. That's uh, kind then, of been my experience with Michael Crichton. Like, I haven't read a ton of his stuff, but every time I read it, I'm like, wow. Like, I've this read a few duds. Great right away. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, um, like Rising Sun was like, not great it was all right mm. and then like uh i didn't like timeline very much and i think i know a lot of people do um i don't i don't think it's great i think it's kind of weird and there's like a thing that happens in timeline uh that kind of like negates like the entire book and i don't like it when that happens in books me too um but then like, so, yeah, like so i didn't love like timeline of everything uh sphere is really really good sphere is awesome uh and then like jurassic park obviously uh next is very good I've also, read next. Okay, yeah, next is really good. Prey is also really good. Okay. Uh, damn, I've read a lot really of really into like those one-word punchy names. Prey. Um, the Andromeda Strain is also excellent. Really, I think really I've good. Read that too, actually. The Terminal Man is good. Damn. Yeah, I've crushed a is lot. Is that the of one Michael they Crane made a books. movie about? The Terminal. They made a lot of Michael Crichton. The movies. guy gets like yeah. stuck in the yeah. terminal. Apparently, he used to make. No, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's like um, that doesn't really sound like a Michael Graham like premise. The Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. It's a pretty good movie. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, did you know that Michael Crichton used to write? Uh, I guess allegedly he wrote ten thousand words a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's ten thousand words a day. He must have had like a stream of consciousness sort of thing. But you must I, get. So I wonder. Good. I wonder if he was more like a. It was like ten thousand words a session. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if he was like writing seventy thousand words a week. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, I think, yeah. I don't think I doubt he kept that schedule because I think he like taught at some like really prestigious university like MIT or something. Right. And like, how like, do you not have 500 books out if you did that? He had a lot, dude. Like, there's a lot of Michael Crichton books. Like, I think when he died, there were still like three or four of them, like on his computer or something. Like, Pirate Latitudes, I think, came out after he died. I could be wrong about that. There's like another dinosaur book that just came out. Um, he wrote 28 novels. <laughs> That's so That's many. That's so many books. <laughs> His books have sold like, over 200 million copies. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, yeah, the nineties were the nineties were probably pretty cool for Michael Crichton. He's got some cool awesome. covers too. Oh yeah. Like they're Definitely. simple, you know. Like I like his one with the monkey and like the barcode on it. Damn man, which yeah. one is that? The dude wrote so next many up, freaking next. books. Uh, like, I can't remember what like the newest. Oh, Dragon Teeth. Yeah, Dragon Teeth was like the new. Um, I think that's the latest book that's come out of his because uh, he died in like 2008, I believe. Okay, is it in the Jurassic Park world? I don't know. A, a historical fiction forerunner to Jurassic Park, Dragon Teeth cool. is set in the American West in 1876. Oh my god, I forgot. Michael Crichton is also responsible for Westworld as well. Oh, that's right, dude. It's so crazy. Like wow, which guy. was a great first season. Yeah, really good first season of television, and then, wow, and then really goes went crazy. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened with that, dude. Me neither. And like, it was just way too much work to figure it out i stopped after like the third episode of uh, season two i was like nope i can see where we're going and i don't even care dragon teeth is a western it's an epic it's it's something it's a precursor to jurassic park it's a and it's sequel to the lost world it takes place over 100 years before the events of those stories hmm. why don't we why don't we go on a little dive here real quick i'm kind of i'm kind of curious about this so Make like james cameron and dive <laughs> 
I love The Abyss. I want to watch that again. Keep trying to get Effie to watch it, but she's just like, I don't want to watch a three-hour movie about the bottom of the ocean. And I'm like, fair. Dude, it's fair. it's so really much more good. No, it's really that, really good. Yeah, it's about like aliens at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it's so yeah. oh, it's mystery. It's filled oh, with that mystical so journey juice that I love. One of the best CPR scenes in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, our, the Abyss oh, fans fantastic. out there will know what me Dude. and Chad are talking I'm about. All right, big Dragon, guy. Dragon Teeth centers on William Johnson, an aimless, mediocre Yale student who joins up with the Marsh's expedition in summer 1876 for two unscientific reasons, because he made a bet and because, as he puts it, I think it's time I made something of myself. Riveting, Good Michael Crichton. So it's it looks like so the the New Yorker article that I'm reading the headline says the Westworld echoes of Michael Crichton's posthumous Dragon Teeth. Okay, where does the expedition go? Like deep into the Congo or something, finding dragons. But I'm assuming it's set during the quote Bone Wars of the late 19th century. I was not aware of the Bone Wars. Uh, the newly published novel uh, draws from the real-life feud between Othniel Charles, Charles Marsh and Edward Drinker Cope of Philadelphia's Academy of Natural Scientists, two paleontologists who famously played dirty in their dueling expeditions to the fossil deposits of the West. So maybe this is like, um, what if this is like a precursor to Jurassic Park, reminiscent of Westworld, but also kind of like the the prestige, but with dinosaur hunters. Marsh was wow. a fleshy, robust showman who boasted loudly and often of his own exploits. Cope was a wiry Quaker with a more philosophical cast of mind. The two men were instrumental in the discovery and naming of many of the dinosaurs that now occupy a place in any kid's personal pantheon, including the Stegosaurus, Allosaurus, and Apatosaurus. They also sabotaged, stole, and destroyed each other's findings, bringing paleontology to the attention of the public as a tabloid spectacle that aligned with everything else being said about the lawless western territories this sounds pretty interesting actually that does like, sound pretty is, interesting like, at first i was like wow this seems kind of stupid but like the more that i'm reading it, i'm like damn that's actually pretty badass like that these there's people definitely were, the bone should wars. be a book written within the context of the bone wars which while that's you were doing that to be yeah it seems well, i did seems... a little research on <laughs> and also <laughs> known course. as the great dinosaur rush it was a period of intense and uh, ruthlessly competitive fossil hunting and discovery during the gilded age of american history um, and kind of it was focused around this rivalry between Edward Drinker Cope yep. and Othniel Charles Marsh. Yeah, you just said both those names. Yeah, oh, yeah. I missed them. Sorry, yeah, I was doing were, research. You were researching. It's okay. I was research, and I just love this line. It says, "By the end of the Bone Wars, both men had exhausted their funds in the pursuit of paleo, paleo. Oh my God, paleontol, <laughs> paleontological supremacy." paleontological <laughs> supremacy like supremacy wow really really adding some drama to that uh yeah. fossil hunt the new the new yorker says the novel seems to stem both from what is often described as Crichton's childlike imagination the imagination behind all those bestsellers and a side of the author that was less often seen more ruminative interested in human problems rather than technical ones the novel isn't really about dinosaurs it's about existential insecurities interesting interesting i wouldn't I wouldn't give his imagination a childlike quality. It's almost adult. I also would the not. Way yeah, that there's like parts the of Jurassic Park and... that are really messed up, actually. Like, totally. And like scientific and advanced and like maybe childlike adult in this... imagination. Maybe they're saying childlike in the sense of like his like premises, you know, like the idea of like cloning dinosaurs and making them into a theme park where everything like goes wrong. Cloning is like, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I was seven. I wasn't like, hey, I wonder if I can find some genetic material from a mastodon and like <laughs> <laughs> science from that. Anyway, yeah, from a mosquito. 
if you're looking to dinosaur out, I would oddly, I'm like shocked to hear myself saying this, but I would recommend Jurassic Park Dominion that came out in 2022. Oh, it was fun. Good, I enjoyed good. it. Full of nostalgia. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And then I want to wrap up my little chat, chat, talking here thing with two things, two gifts that I want to talk about. <clears throat> One was, uh, and I just forgot about this one last week, a gift, a close friend uh, got to me for my birthday, which is so cool. Comes in, you all can't see this, so I'll describe it, but it came in this really cool little box. What? Yeah, right? Okay. And what this is, is it's a stamp. So this guy right here, um, it has a stamp that says my name on it, and you'll be able to see it's, it's stamped right here. See how it's got this little cat right there? From the library of Chad Klein. Yeah, it's got a, a little cat outline with on a bookshelf. And then this guy right here, I put like a page in between. It looks like a stapler. And I put a page in between there. I stamp it. And then it'll put that, my seal on some on my books, which will mean that no one will ever be able to not return them to me. Or at least they can't like hide behind like, I don't know who gave me this book. Like, dude, it is stamped with my stamp. Hell yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I started going through every one of my books to stamp it and got a little like stamp happy. And then I was like, okay, this is taking forever. So I still need to finish, but uh, it's been real fun just putting my, cause like, I don't want to write in a book. Like this is Chad's. That seems like, sure. I don't know. Just there's a word <laughs> that, I'm, that I can't find, but it doesn't seem like classy it's not, enough. It's not as classy. No. Yeah. It's disrespectful, but this thing is very classy. So uh, it takes a little bit of finessing with certain different types of pages. You have to apply different pressures or else you can like punch through the page a little bit. Oh, so okay. uh, I'm getting getting good at it, though. And it's super fun. If uh, you know, you sell a lot on whatnot, right? Isn't whatnot? Um, I was doing that for a little bit, but I kind of want to keep all my books now. OK, one of our Patreon subscribers sent me a message and they were making a recommendation to you to get one of these things for when you sell on whatnot. And you can oh. kind of be like from the library of Evan. I have a stamp thing. Uh, mine's an ink oh. stamp. It's not an imprint stamp, but I don't know. It's it's like up here. I haven't really done a whole bunch with it. I should probably do it with all my books. You um, really should. Take forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got through like half of one shelf where I was like, OK, yeah. <laughs> this will be like a. <laughs> couple book a day sort of thing you know and if you're an author out there i've gotten this from a few authors because i request a lot of books from them the ones that we're reading and if they don't want to come on the podcast then i always like fall back plan try to get them to send me a few signed copies and lots of times i've like had a author send me book before without asking for a signed one and it wasn't signed like the author literally sent it to me and didn't sign the book and then when i asked them about it later just kind of making fun of them kind of being like oh i wish i would have signed it a little bit they were like oh like i'm no i'm a nobody like nobody wants this and it's like man i don't care how small or big of an author you are if you gift your book to somebody it is not an arrogant ego thing to sign it in fact the person no, who receives it will be upset yeah. if you don't sign it so please sign those books. It's, it makes it so much more special and like valuable. Sign a book and don't feel bad about it. I have a couple copies. Uh, they're only digital, so I'm not going to put this flack upon Evan. But the second that his books are not a digital copy, if and when that moment ever occurs, uh, I absolutely expect to be getting a signed copy and would be so mad at him if it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment. No, 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 I guess not. But, oh, yes, and then I have book mail that I want to open up. Sure, let's do it. And this week, I did have the discipline because you were lauding me last week for having mm -hmm. the discipline before you found out that I literally didn't and just opened it already. And that was Murtag that I've been reading. Oh, which I guess I've also been reading. I forgot about that book. Still working on it. It's pretty good so far, actually. I really like it. Oh, yeah. How far into it I was interrupted by you? Skull of Mance, which is just real more fun and, and punchy. Oh, I'm only about a third. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know next week. Thick. Okay, so I'm going to open this package. So this time I did have the discipline to wait. Got to get my handy dandy little knife here. 
I love book mail. Whenever I get a package in the mail that has Chadwick on it, I'm just like so stoked instantly. Okay, this book is by Helen Oyeyemi, and it's called White is for Witching. Oh, I've heard that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably how, I don't know if it was from my Amazon list, but uh, we have, I add a couple almost every Monday morning minute because you'll be like, this book is really good, and I just throw it on there. So I haven't read it. I've just heard it's really, really awesome. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Oh, dude, you haven't read it? Nice. That's, Mm -hmm. I'm always like, I always feel like "Ah, I'm just coming up behind him when I'm reading something you just read, you know, so it's nice to be able to. Uh, lead the charge into a new book from time to time. Uh, this was sent to me from Melanie. Do we have multiple Melanies or is she just the, a <laughs> prolific book fairy? Yeah, I think I've gotten a couple from Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. Unless Melanie, we have a couple you of them. are the best. Yeah, unless we have multiple Melanies, uh, apparently all Melanies are awesome. And if it's just the one, then uh, wow. Melanie, awesome. you're awesome and so generous and uh, really, really makes my day. Even getting the mail and not even opening it, it makes my day because I like know I have it waiting for me and I get to see it all throughout the course of the week and like it's tempting me, you know, and then I, I feel like I've got tons of discipline when I get to this moment and have to get to open it. So, uh, Melanie, thank you so much. This is so special whenever we get book mail. I, I cannot express enough how much it can turn a bad day into a good one. And it's just because there's very much like, a, you know, we don't get to see our listeners. And yes, we get to interact with them in the Discord and the Patreon, which is great. But there's like a uh, an element to the book mail that like brings it home into reality because it's like a physical thing. I've got this little note from him in here. And it's just like, man, it's so special to me. So thank you so much, Melanie. I, I really appreciate it. And I'll let you know when uh, I read the book. As how it is. Let me read the little blurb along the bottom. It says, profoundly chilling, a slow building neo-gothic that will leave persevering readers breathless. You want me to read the back? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, It says, there's something strange about the Silver family's house in the closed off town of Dover, England. Grand and cavernous with hidden passages and buried secrets. It's been home to four generations of silver women, Anna, Jennifer, Lily, and now Miranda, who has lived in the house with her twin brother, Elliot, ever since their father converted it to a bed and breakfast. Um, Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, this is kind of long. Okay, so she begins hearing voices and we see some some ghosty sort of things. So it sounds like a mystery horror. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. A witchy ghost book. I'm stoked. A witchy ghost book. We love a witchy ghost book. Yeah, it is called White is for Witching, so I probably should have guessed the witchiness of it from uh, from the gate. But uh, thank you again, Melanie. You are awesome. And uh, everyone who sends us books are awesome. I mean, everyone in the community is also obviously awesome. So way to be super especially awesome. All right, let's head over to the question part of the episode in lieu of the fun fact. I love that we're doing this now. Yeah, I like the question thing. Uh, if you want to ask us anything, uh, go to the Discord. There is a special thingy, channel thingy in the Discord under the BRK podcast where you can submit questions that we will answer on the podcast. Sort of a Q&A kind of thing. Uh, so we got two here and I want to go through because one of them is kind of a, like an important kind of like update kind of thing. And I'll probably answer this in the Discord just in case this person doesn't see this. But this is from Hugh Prov, I think that is the name. Uh, and it says, did you guys ever consider breaking up your series that you read over the course of the year. Given that it seems like there was a little bit of fatigue from Faithful and the Fallen, Red Rising and the Expanse, did you consider spreading out readings? So I have a pretty long uh, answer for this. Thank you so much for asking this. It's really cool. Uh, I like I like talking about this kind of stuff. Um, so first and foremost, Chad and I, we were really ambitious for 2023. Like we had a really cool 2022. We moved through a lot of stuff. And so we inspired ourselves. The and, first year. And, and in 2022, we kind of like, we had some like kind of surprise series where we were like, oh, we're both reading now right now. Like, let's just do that too. And we kind of like did both of them in tandem and it kind of worked and we were like, cool. Uh, and then going into 2023, we were like, all right, let's just do that for the entire year where we read two or even three series at a time. That's how we'll do it. And 
I, I don't think we did it because we thought we would get more done. I think we just did it because we wanted to do it like that. We just wrote out all the books we wanted to read that year and then figured out a way to do it. Yeah. So it didn't really work out. Like, I think we were going strong for a little bit. We did still, we still read a lot this year, quite a few totally. series, but I think that it just didn't work as quite as well because we were also reading other books like solo, like that we, I don't right. think we would really accounted for like the fact that we would both be reading other stuff too. For this entire year, I've been reading like five or six books at a time and I know Same. that Chad has too. So it's been really, it's, it's fine. We can do it, but we're not going to do it like that anymore. So for 2024, we don't think that's optimal. Right. So for, we had to kind of like, you know, we were going to read the bone ships. We were going to read covenant of steel. We're not going to be reading those this year. Obviously there's only a month left of the year. We've had to kind of postpone those as well. Uh, there's only one month of the year. Sorry to yeah. interrupt you. That's no, like no, blowing my cool. mind a little bit. Chad had kind of mentioned earlier in the episode, like how many, what do we have left for the rest of the year? So let me just kind of lay out the rest of the year real quick for everybody. And then I'm going to kind of like talk a little bit more about what we're planning on in 2024. It's funny because I made a video today talking about what I was planning on doing for as far as like big series in 2024. So we'll get to that in a little, in a little bit, but for the rest of this year, 2023, the rest of December, Chad and I will be finishing up Red Rising. So we need to do our Dark Age episode. We need to do our Lightbringer episode. We'll have Red Rising done before the end of the year. We also need to finish Skolomance by Naomi Novik. We're on track with Zoran to read one book a, a week of that. It's really, those books are short. I'm not even kind of worried about it. We have to work with Zoran's schedule too. So we have like, we really do need to do it like on these days, like the next three weeks. So, uh, but they're, they're really easy books to read and um, pretty short compared to like the 750, 800 page behemoths that we were reading monstrosities two at a time you know what i mean like we're reading like re reading wrath and dark age each of those books being 750 pages long is just like pretty brutal um but anyway so we're gonna finish skull we're gonna finish red rising and i would really love to squeeze in at the very tail end of the year if we can i want to read the binti trilogy by nettie akorafor those are it's a, it's three novellas and we'll probably do that in one episode so we'll probably cover all three of those novellas in one episode as like one big long book mm. or should we do three little episodes because i like the predictions yeah i like the predictions too um i think it's just more editing and more releasing and more work totally. and stuff like that uh so that is the the plan right now is to read skolomance finish red rising and read binti before the end of the year it sounds like a lot but really we'll we we only need to read one more Red Rising book, two more Skolomance books, and a novella trilogy. So it's really not that much. I read Skolomance in one night. Yeah. And the novellas we can probably I think do we'll be season. able to do that. And also, not to mention, December is a very, like I said, the kind of hole up in your house and read kind of month, you know. So, yeah, I think we'll be able to get that done. So that leaves us with the other books that we we're planning on reading in 2023 that we didn't. And those books are the Mere Visitor series by Claire Dubois and also Covenant of Steel by Anthony Ryan. And the bone that ships. really pangs my heart. Yeah, the bone and ships bone also chips. Uh, are all three of those. Honestly, like I really wanted to read Mere Visitor. I think that with the bone ships and Mere Visitor and Covenant of Steel, we're gonna kind of push those into 2024 tentatively because Malazan Book of the Fallen. You know, it's in, and now that I'm getting to talking about 2024. I was just talking about how Chad and I didn't want to do simultaneous reads. Malazan Book of the Fallen for me and Chad, I feel like is going to be like a thing that we're kind of doing all year next year, if that makes sense. Like we're going to try our very, very best to keep it as consistent as possible. But like, you know how I said, like, we are not going to do simultaneous reads. We're still going to focus on one series. So like the, the series we'll be focusing on in the first part of the year in 2024 will be Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. That's going to be the series we're reading. But like also 
we're kind of just always it's gonna be like the monday episode and the malazan episode one does not simply read malazan book of the fallen we're just gonna kind of like be doing malazan stuff because malazan book of the fallen is just it's such i can't stress enough to people that don't know what this series is very much encourage you to try it out with us the best way to read these books is to do it with a podcast and do it with friends and do it with a community because they are just monsters like they're like like if if you think way of kings was a lot like either go read dead house gates you know what i mean like it, it is such a different animal i'm not saying the way of kings isn't right, saying nothing of the quality it's a different nothing at all in fact i like the way of kings a lot more than gardens of the me Moon, too personally. actually <laughs> like, 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 i'll say that malazan. but um so malazan like i know that I, I i just i know that i said that we're not doing simultaneous reads but malazan is like a whole different thing so what we're not going to do is be reading malazan and then reading throne of glass and then be like screw it let's throw covenant of steel in there right. too that's not what we're going to do so we're going to basically be focusing as much as we can on Throne of Glass and doing Malazan episodes uh, for those read-alongs. But we want to make sure to try and stay consistent with Throne of Glass. Um, and then after Throne of Glass, we will focus on another series. And I and I don't know what we're going to do exactly. I think we might... Like, what I would really like to do is go straight into The Bone Ships by R.J. Barker. I think that would be awesome. Dude. Because uh, Chad loves sailing. Evan loves bones. Yeah, they, they, they seem like the kinds of books that would be really fun to talk yeah. about on the podcast. And we will tell you in enough advance where you can <clears throat> prepare yourselves to yeah. read it. We're not, I don't think we're going to release the full year in advance because we want to have some flexibility to yeah. change and adapt as... We want to surprise people and stuff too. But we also want to give people enough warning so they can go and get the book, right? Right, exactly. So yeah, I mean like... Just for everybody listening, I do want to say, like, we really appreciate, I know that Chad and I have a, uh, like a, a little bit of a tendency to kind of overpromise and underdeliver sometimes when it comes to our consistency on things. We do overhype a little bit. We get really excited about things. Chad and I are going to try to have a little bit more like professional of a schedule and a, and a little bit, just a little bit more consistent, like solid and consistent approach to the recap and discussion episodes. Uh, I think we've done a, a great job with having this Monday episode out as consistently as we possibly can. But some trilogies took us two months, some took us three weeks. Right. And to be super transparent, I mean, tra Chad and I just, for at the same time, around like August, September, October, we're just dealing with some really complicated heavy stuff like it wasn't related to each other in any way really no. but like chad was just going through a lot and i was going through a lot and i just want to say like i really appreciate everybody like not bailing on the podcast because we got inconsistent and you know understanding and like kind of like extending that empathy to us because it was really intense there for a little bit like we both really going through it for a few months there up until like a cut like a month ago <laughs> like i mean yeah. and still in some ways too and so you know it's just it's been it's been weird and it's been rough 2024 also like i can't again i'm, I'm so sorry i keep doing this to everybody but like i can't talk about it but like 2024 is also going to be like a pretty intense year for me too, in a really good way. I have to be very professional in another aspect of my life yes. too. Uh, and that's not including all the content and stuff that I need to make and stay relevant with too on the, my other platforms and things like that. So it's just, it's a ton of work. And so Chad and I have kind of decided to like, that's why we, we, we nixed the Friday Forge episode, you know, we, we're kind of like readjusting and saying, okay, like, what are the priorities? Like, what do we really need to do? Like the Monday episode is never going away. It's so important. And my favorite. Uh, I really like, yeah, I mean, it's my favorite too. And it's, I think it's, like it's everybody's favorite, you know. 
It's really, really yeah. awesome. But with the, you know, like the Malazan episodes, I would love to do an episode a week. I would really, really love to do an episode a week. Might be an episode every two right. weeks. We might be doing two or three episodes per book. We'll get into a flow with it. You know, I think that, I think also like once we're into like the third, fourth, fifth book or something like that, Chad and I will want to talk about this so much more because of the nature of the series. As it expands. So I think yeah. it'll be, yeah, it'll be like, and, and you can't like stop reading the series. No. <laughs> like if, if you, you'll forget like everything. Is that what the question was? So I forgot. That was what okay. the question. I know. I know. I'm wrapping back around. So the question was like, do you guys ever like take breaks? My answer to that is no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to break up series throughout the year. In fact, almost the opposite. I want to read them all. In fact, what we do want to do is to avoid that fatigue. We're going to stop heaping so much on ourselves. You know what I mean? So yes, we're going to read Throne of Glass. We're going to read it at an eight book clip. We're going to, we're going to do it consistently. And then when we're done with Throne of Glass, we're going to start another series and make that the series we're reading. And that will be the thing <laughs> so. that we read. And just to kind of fully flesh out that question, you know, that may work for some, you know, everyone's different in the way that they like to consume content and books are, are no different. That might work for someone like one. I just know that my memory doesn't it's, it's just not good enough to be able to handle that. I would lose sure. a lot yeah. of the, the the subtleties and many times like the real mm -hmm. juice. Just the real magic is in those subtleties. So I think that my personal experience would be affected if I were to break up a series like that. I also think that me personally, my ability to like create content around it would also be majorly affected. I'd have to lean on my notes a lot more, which I do a lot of already. And then I think, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, because as Evan and I have been discussing, you know, kind of streamlining our process a little bit, I put a lot of thought behind in, you know, and I hope that we haven't made this mistake. I don't think that we have because we're pretty aware of it, but I, I hope not. And I don't want the way we approach reading books to affect our opinion of them, if that makes sense. And I really think yeah. that certain books like no book really should be like read slowly necessarily. I mean, take your time, you know, but like I think that really you can really certain books should be rushed through almost, you know, like certain series. You should just smash yeah. them through and you'll enjoy it more. At least that yeah. seems to be the case for me personally. I think my experience with Faithful and the Fallen yes. was massively affected by how long it took us to read them. I think if I would have read all four of those books in like a month or so, I would probably have drastically different opinions, but I think I would... I, I wouldn't think it was as tiresome as I found yeah. it. You know what I mean? And I think, and I think that John Gwynn, if you're listening right we now, you are. <laughs> we know you are. We're, we're about to put out a Faithful in the Fallen episode that is not super kind to the last book. You it's know? not like, like Arc of the Side level, though. Like, it's like, right, no, we're not, we're not like tearing it to shreds or anything, but I really do want to like kind of mention that like I was kind of going through it while reading those books. And I think that maybe on a reread or something, I would probably come to appreciate like a lot more of why people like it so yeah. much. This is you know? So that might so be much. so many. There's a lot of really cool stuff, cool things happening in there. But um, yeah, to your point, Chad, you know, I think that Chad and I will be able to make better content if we stick with a series and try to stay as consistent as possible with the release schedule of that series instead of reading a million right. other things um and trying to juggle a bunch of different content and like other extra episodes and i think very potentially even we might be able to do more too maybe yeah i mean like i i don't want to no, i don't want to put that benefit. but but totally yeah i mean like i think you know there's like a lot of different stuff i want to cover like i mean i would really love to read all the cradle books with you because I, I have a feeling we would both just like love them so much i'd love to get will white on here um, and that might be a thing that we do. Like maybe we'll finish Maladzen in like August or something. And then we move on to Cradle, you know, and then that's the, and then we're really only reading series. <laughs> like, cause I think Maladzen, to be super honest though, everybody like 
full transparency, I think Malazan is going to take us like the whole year. You think so? Like, I think it's, yeah, I think. I hope. I think it's. I hope not. I think we're going to be doing about a. I think, I know. I think what we're doing. Being like, the speed that you read it can change the way that you enjoy it. It's going to take us all year on that. (laughs) But like, like, Malazan is just such a different thing, you know? Not as hypocritical as it sounds. If we could do one Malazan book a month, I'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Because we're doing multiple episodes. But, you know, I mean. Who knows? Well, maybe we'll have a month where we're just we're crushing and we do five or six Malazan episodes and we just knock out two books and you totally. Know, um, I would, uh, but I think we could get it done obviously within the year. But what would be really amazing is to get it done in six, seven months and then move on and just then for the for the rest of the podcast just kind of focus. But or you know what we could do also is like, nah, I don't want to do that. So I'm just kind of like spitballing here and I'm like, we could just like stop after Throne of Glass and then have Malazan be the only thing we're reading. No. But then it's like... There'll be a lot of our audience who aren't reading it with us and I want to still yeah, right, say exactly. hi to those people. Like a lot yeah. of people will be like that. <laughs> I don't want to be exclusionary in any way, but I really do think that it's important. If people are like, why are they picking this huge book when like many people obviously won't be following along? Sure. Because I think it's a cornerstone book as far as fantasy is concerned. And I think that... Are you talking about Malazan? I'm talking about Malazan, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, Evan and I, as we've grown as podcasters, we talked about it and I've wanted to do Malazan, Malazan from the beginning, but just because from the nature of the books, having read, you know, six or seven of them, it's going to kind of push us to the limits of our skill to be able to create good content about it. And I think that we're ready for it. And I think that it was, it's kind yeah. of like a, a necessary rung on the ladder of our growth as far as content creators about books and doing the yeah. long form. And so I think it's maybe it will be annoying to some of those who aren't reading the books with us and like, wow, they're really going on this journey. I think it will be good for our, our professional growth. And so that's a definitely a a major reason why I think that it's important that I do it at least. And I think that Evan will agree. So, um, so yeah, that, that's just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And it's a resource too. It's referential. Like if anybody, I mean, if you're not in the mood to read Malazan this year with us um, and keep up with us, that's totally fine. But maybe in like five right, years, you do want to, and then all those episodes are up on YouTube for you. And that's the kind of content that I really like making. Like, obviously we have way more listeners for the Monday episodes than we would for like, you know, Dark Age, right. which is like a fifth book in a series or like wrath is the fourth book in a series. Like no one's, you know, only people that have (laughs) read that fourth book are going to be listening to that episode. But I really do like making that stuff because, and this is just me, but like I, if, if I was working the job that I used to work a few years ago where I was constantly listening to YouTube videos and audiobooks, and I found our YouTube channel, I would be so freaking happy to find that YouTube Same channel. Like, oh, nice. And that's what I want. I, I want that. I want to give people that feeling. Like, and I know it's pretty few and far between because like we only have like a couple thousand YouTube subs and like I mean a lot of people listen to this podcast, but YouTube's is not huge. Finding it, um, I'm sure that some people already have been like, yes, hell yeah. Like this is awesome. Yeah, and it's so cool when I go into the Discord and go into like the winter night channel and see there's like an active discussion of people currently reading and getting value out of that episode that we made you know like a year ago or whatever it just like warms my soul so much but i feel like anything the book community does at this point warms my soul because you guys are the best yeah you guys really are the best but thank you for that kind of rambling answer about that everybody i mean i like to keep everybody as updated as possible but i want you also to know that like if i've learned anything this year it's that you don't have to like tell your audience literally everything you're planning on doing a year from now. Right, right. <laughs> like maybe don't do that. Like maybe because like 
and very people have been very patient with us but like it's you're really kind of setting yourself up for totally. failure so uh with that being said everybody thank you for your patience and we will be reading uh Skullamance, finishing up red rising reading binti and then moving into malazan and throne of glass and then after that we will let you know what's going on with everything let's end with this i've got a little message from one of our listeners who responded to the little uh survey thing that goes out on Spotify. And this is from Lana Hooley. And it says, I love that the Monday morning minutes are an hour sometimes. Honestly, you guys could talk about anything for three hours and I would listen to every minute. Keep them nice and long if you can, baby. So Lana, thank you. I agree. From an editing perspective, maybe don't, but it's real great uh, from a listener. And I love that we have been uh, given not only like permission, but a good on you for me. Making them long because we like to ramble and talk, and it's fun that yeah. people enjoy that. So, thank you so much, Lane. I, I really appreciate the feedback. Speaking of rambling and talking, that was one of the questions, but let's do oh, let's it. Let's do it. I thought we were going to end all there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got another one here. All right. So, this one comes from Maya. Mudud. I think your name is Maya. I think I remember us corresponding. If I'm wrong about that, I'm so sorry. Dude, that's Mudud. pretty impressive uh, that you can remember I'm people's names and their username. Pretty sure that's your name. Uh, okay. So, uh, Mudud asks, if you were to do a book pairing, like a food and wine pairing with a song, which book and song would go perfectly together? Tolkien movies and their corresponding soundtracks aside, this is blatantly stolen from the girl who is doing book and perfume pairings on TikTok because I think perfume? the idea is amazing. What? Love who, it. What a great idea. Weird. Like you're smelling yourself or like are you reading in a group? That's a weird concept. <laughs> Spraying it in the air and then everyone reading walks through the cloud. I associate a scent with but Anyway, I like the song question. Great. Great question. You want to start us off while I think about it? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple here that I nice. that I typed in here. Uh, so I've got one that I that I did, and then one that makes me think of something that I wasn't. So the, uh, this is one that I was I was listening to this while I was reading it. Uh, while I was reading Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff, I was listening to the Castlevania Symphony of the Night soundtrack, uh, which was I mean, not the entire time, obviously, but man, that harpsichord in some of those conversations, ooh, man. It worked really, really well. Uh, I, I think, like, I think I had started reading Empire of the Vampire, and I was like, you know what would be really cool is if I listened to the Symphony of the Night soundtrack. And if anybody has not listened to the Symphony of the Night soundtrack, do yourself a favor, go onto YouTube, type in Symphony of the Night OST, and you will have an awesome, awesome adventure with that soundtrack. Also, I mean, go play the game because it's like one of the best. Uh, side-scrolling, I guess it still falls under the Metroidvania uh, category, even though it kind of like you huge nerd. <laughs> it's half of the name. <laughs> yeah, I love I love Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I love Castlevania too. I mean, like Aria of Sorrow. It's a incredible I like the anime game. on Netflix. Uh, it's pretty crazy. good too. Yep, that's really cool too. Um, not a big fan of like the NES or Super NES Castlevania. I know that's kind of like sacrilege to people, but I don't know. I think those games are kind of clunky and a little bit too hard. But yeah, I was doing that while is while uh, reading Empire of the Vampire. Probably do it again while I'm reading Empire of the Damned. And then also Lazy by Deep Purple for Kings of the Wild. I think uh, if anybody's curious. Uh, go listen to Lazy, L-A-Z-Y, by the band Deep Purple. It's on their album Machine Head. Listen to the organ solo and guitar solos. Just try not to imagine the characters from Kings of the Wild running amok. I really want to read Kings of the Wild. Dude, you should. Every time you listen to my you interview say that with again. Nicholas Dude, Chad, Eames. you specifically should read. <laughs> Man, I've had some pretty starstruck moments on this podcast. I'm not going to lie, but like, like interviewing Nicholas Eames, I was like, damn, this is so freaking cool that i'm talking to nicholas eames right now because like i was i i picked up that book like right when it came out and i loved it so much and uh felt that way about parjan 
I read those books a long time. Actually, I think the most the most starstruck I've been. I mean, obviously, we've had some pretty cool people on here, but like when when we had Fonda Lee on, you got sick sick. and you couldn't. And you man, and and Chad broke the news to me like that morning. He like called in sick to our interview. So I had to do it alone. so, (laughs) So I had to do it alone, and I was just like, oh my god, like I'm sorry that I'm the way that I am. Like I'm so sorry about everything, Fonda. Like thank you for giving me your your time i'm so sorry dude we'll have her on again uh, she, was, did you just come out with a new series uh she came out with a uh, novella That's earlier right. this year gosh was it this year god this year has been such dude, a blur what? i think it was this year did i talk to fun this like year a really long year like a lot has happened a lot it's crazy happened. That it's in the last anyway that was uh those were two those were mine did you think of anything i did yeah okay so i was going through a um and i don't know if i'm very deliberate about it before like a year or two ago i think it just kind of happened because i typically i'm a big music person i almost always have music going on in the background and people always tell me that it's real odd like a friend will walk in on me like listening to some hip-hop and reading and they're like how can you do both of these at the same time but i just listened to nothing but hip-hop for like 15 years and so i don't know i can do anything while listening to hip-hop and so i read lock lamora while just on repeat uh tupac's all eyes on me album and uh man wow. i cannot recommend it what an experience enough i don't think i could do that really like I, there's so many words there's so yeah, many but you words just gotta, like, but you, feel for you it's probably it, you like know? yeah it's probably like brown noise for totally you brown noise, like yeah. you've listened to it so many times exactly so i, I really like that because it's like tupac's very like lyrical and punchy and exciting but he also gets like deep with it sometimes he also gets a little like um i don't know how to say this properly but like say it with your chest like he just like uh you know like a good uh goes a long way and like the lock lamora kind of um feel hmm, to it yeah, you know i, I can yeah. see it I, I feel you i'm picking up what you're putting down i'm knocking over what you're sacking up this is gonna sound really weird and i'm almost embarrassed to admit it but uh for winter night i listened to a lot of Lindsay sterling <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to Lindsay I think she's Sterling. like a YouTube violinist. She like dances oh, while playing the violin. That's not embarrassing. What are you talking about? I don't know. What I feel like about? me and every other 14-year-old girl, you know, like loves Lindsay Sterling. Shh, she's gorgeous whatever. also. And she has really epic violin solos where she's like on top of a mountain dancing or something. And she's an incredible dancer. Oh, hell yeah. That's, I don't know why you'd be embarrassed about that. That is Winter Night. It is, tea. yeah. Doesn't somebody break out a violin at some point in that they series? Might. Like, I don't is know. That, is that a thing? It kind of sounds like Man, it is. This trilogy was awesome. But yeah, I just thought that it should go well together and it did. And thus I just Lindsay Sterling the whole whole way through winter night love it i even tried switching to imagine dragons because i thought at some point like i thought that would be good and then it just didn't i can't do it i can't do imagine no dragons, not imagining dragons huh yeah i, I don't imagine those ah, dragons that's unfortunate no, I, they tell me to i don't know you know when people say like oh it's like overproduced i don't give i don't care about that nah. give me give me however produced you want to make it i don't care but like uh yeah i don't know for some reason i just don't like the way that those i don't know i don't like interesting. it interesting some of those songs hit me right in the feels uh, and then i'll finish with and, and this one i knew about from a long time ago so a few years back when i was reading a bunch of like historical fictions uh and i was going through this big like kana Goulden genghis khan phase and simultaneously going through like a composer phase and i hit on rachmaninoff who i just think is brilliant and so and i remember it being awesome for genghis khan and i just when i was reading faithful in the fall and the other day in fact was like i need to pull up some rock and so i uh put on mr maninov and he took me home on the faithful in the fallen and i could not recommend (laughs) that pairing better it's funny that you said mr maninov because i think rock maninov is like the last name i don't think think you're right no i don't think so yeah but i think there is a space there i think it's 
I don't know, actually. Is there? Let me look it up. Yeah, Sergei Rachmaninoff. Yeah, it's one word. It, is it one word? Okay. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Maninoff. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was like a like um like a Vaughn something. Like, you know, like yeah, like Sergei Rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, cool. No, that's 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 perfect. But wouldn't you still say like because you'd say like Mr. Van? I'd Halen. say Mr. Rachmaninoff. Yeah. You wouldn't say like Mr. Halen. No. Like it's not. It, yeah. No, yeah, you're right so, on all. I think it still fronts. works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not defending me being culturally inept at all. But uh Rachmaninoff yeah. is a brilliant composer and he gets really like complicated and epic and he just got a style to him that I really like and uh, it can be a little distracting sometimes cuz he he has some songs that just really command your attention uh, cuz they're not like background lo-fi beats by any means but um I don't know, he does really beautiful work and his songs are really long, like with all like classical pieces. Um, so it's nice that you don't have to change every three to five minutes, like a different feel or a different thing. It just goes and goes and goes and goes, which is great. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for us today here on the Monday Morning Minute. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you for listening to all episodes. This one ran a little bit long, but hey, I don't care. We'll I just read Lana's thing that said, keep them nice and long if you can, baby. So this one's for you, Lana. Cool. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really, really love having you here. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye.